This podcast contains graphic or mature material, depictions of murder, foul play, and sexualized situations are discussed in detail during this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the bonus content. We are the Cold Case Crew, and this is Blind Reactions, a series exclusively for Patreon. My name is Whitney. It's Ashley. And I'm Beth. So this week, I will be presenting you girls once again with a case that seemingly goes hand in hand with my previous blind reaction, the disappearance of Amy Bradley. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that these two cases are connected, though I will say that both women share a specific look, in my opinion. Irregardless, we will be diving back into the world of maritime mysteries with today's case, the 2011 disappearance of Rebecca Corian. Yet, another woman to vanish while aboard a cruise ship. Ladies, are we ready to dive back in? Yes, I am. I love these. Yes, I do too. And you know what I saw on the news today, just to give this a little more? I know what you're talking about. Some dude fell off a cruise ship. And they found him. They found him treading water with no life vest on. I saw that on Fox News. And all I thought about was, oh my gosh, we have another one. Rebecca Coriam was born on March 11th, 1987 in Chester, England to Mike and Anna Marie Coriam. She was raised the eldest of a biological sibling, Rachel, and two foster brothers. Rebecca, or Bex as she preferred to be called, was an extroverted known risk taker and generally an upbeat person. During her teen years, Rebecca joined the British Army cadets before attending Plymouth University, where she studied sports science. In June 2010, Rebecca traveled to London, where she interviewed with Disney for a position as a cast member for their cruise line. Despite the stiff competition, Rebecca got the job and was soon traveling to Florida, where she trained at the Walt Disney World theme park. Bex was specifically hired as a youth worker, which basically is a fancy way of saying that she worked in the cruise's onboard daycare service. So while all the parents are out having fun and drinking and not at the casino because Disney Cruise Lines do not have casinos on board, fun fact, she was babysitting at the kids club. I'm very familiar with the kids club. Well, we didn't go on the Disney cruise, but we went on the big red boat. The big red boat with the Looney Tunes characters actually has a casino. The way it was explained is that these cruise workers, or at least those who worked for the Disney Cruise Line, work four months on and two months off. So during the first four months of her employment, Bex worked on a ship whose route took her to the Bahamas. She then returned to England for her two months off, and when she returned, she was scheduled to work aboard the Disney Wonder in the Port of Call, Los Angeles. This route took her on the Mexican Riviera route by way of the Panama Canal. Obviously, it's difficult being so far away from home for such an extended period of time, but Bex was diligent in keeping up communications with her parents back home. She would do this via Facebook and Skype. In fact, given the time difference between Los Angeles and England, the only efficient way to keep in touch was by scheduled phone calls. So she did a lot of that. It took a lot of forethought and a lot of planning. Several weeks into this new route, Rebecca unexpectedly returned to England for two weeks because her grandfather died. This would be the last time her family would see her alive, and from their recollection, nothing appeared to be out of the ordinary with her. The family had an enjoyable visit, and Bex soon returned to work on the Wonder. Six weeks later, on March 21st, 2011, the ship set sail from the Port of Los Angeles one final time, with the known whereabouts of Rebecca Coriam accounted for. On this particular morning, Rebecca sent a message via Facebook to her mother stating that she would be calling the next day. You know, as I stated above, this type of planning was typical for Rebecca. 12 hours went by, and it's around this time that Rebecca's mother, Anna Maria, began to get worried. 
While it was typical of Rebecca to schedule her calls, it was not normal for her to go silent without canceling or at least acknowledging that she would be missing the call. It wasn't until 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, September 22nd, 2011, when Rebecca failed to show up for her shift at the kids' club that people began to worry. The ship notably paged Rebecca multiple times, as well as performed a shipwide search for the missing girl, but she was nowhere to be seen. At this point in time, the ship was located off the coast of the Mexican port of Cabo San Lucas, and it was bound for Puerto Vallarta. So she had actually boarded the ship, though. Yeah, she was on the ship. She was on the ship. She showed up for work on the first day, and she was scheduled to work the next morning at the kids' club, and she did not show up. Okay. They should have cameras at this time, right? They do. Okay, good. We'll get into this. Okay. We have we have camera Ooh. footage. We have CCTV, CCTV. footage. The last publicly known sighting of Rebecca was captured by the ship's CCTV footage around 5.45 a.m. on Thursday the 22nd. The footage depicts a very visibly distraught Rebecca speaking on one of the ship's internal phones in the crew quarters. At one point, a young man approaches her and appears to ask, are you okay? To which Rebecca is seen mouthing, yeah, fine, in reply. She then hangs up the phone and pushes her hair back before placing her hands in her back pockets and walking off camera. I'm going to pause and just say, like, let's just note, this is 5.45 a.m. And at 9 a.m., she was supposed to be at work. So this is not too many hours before she was... Is this her typical thing that she would party a little bit and then show up at work at 9? Because, I mean, you know, that's a little tough. Yes She's and young, no. though. Yes and no. We'll get into that okay. a little bit more. Okay, okay. There are several things to note about this video, and the first is that the gestures described in the footage are, at least according to her parents, typical of Rebecca. She would commonly push her hair back, and likewise, she often would put her hands in her back pockets. The second and more perplexing item of note is the fact that in the footage, Rebecca is seen wearing very large clothing items that appear to belong to somebody else. The clothes are baggy and ill-fitting and give her a disheveled look. So she was in underwear, like, fitting clothing and... It just, the the clothes from the CCTV footage are like these baggy Like they belong to a man or something. Yeah, yeah, she looks really disheveled. Mm. Um, That's the best way to describe it. Officials from the U.S. Coast Guard and the Mexican Navy performed a water search from the ship's known location around her last sighting. However, the waters revealed no sign of the missing girl. Rebecca's family in England was notified when multiple searches failed to turn up any sign of her. The Coriums immediately traveled from England to Los Angeles and met the Wonder as it pulled back into port, returning from its voyage at sea. Given the fact that the ship's registry was in the Bahamas, a detective from the Royal Bahamian Police Force was also dispatched to the ship in order to investigate the disappearance. This likewise didn't occur until the ship was back in the port of Los Angeles. This investigation, if you can call it one, appears at least to me, as more of a formality than an actual investigation. It is said that despite claims of a multiple-day search, the detective, in actuality, only spent one day on board the Wonder investigating the disappearance, and during which he interviewed only a handful of crew members and none of the passengers. Okay, there's apparently some police shortcutting going on. Well, uh, to me, it's just... They have someone coming from the Bahamas. This is a investigation that took place in the Mexican Riviera. There's a lot of nationalities going on here. There's I a lot mean, of borders being crossed. Yes, there's so much going on. 
So according to the Coriums, they were kept in a vehicle with blacked out windows while the entire ship disembarked, and only then were they allowed on board. And they were escorted through a smaller side entrance of the vessel. They were brought on board to speak with the captain, who expressed his sympathies and explained his belief that Rebecca had been washed overboard after encountering a rogue wave while on the crew pull deck located on deck five. Oh my God. For the record, a rogue wave is described as an unusually large, unpredictable, and suddenly appearing surface wave that can be extremely dangerous to ships, even large ones. Interestingly enough, there was no record of turbulent sea during this voyage, even specifically during the hours in question regarding Rebecca's disappearance. No others on board have ever come forward noting any rough seas that evening or even witnessing such a wave. Executives produced a sole flip-flop, which they presented to the family as proof of their rogue wave theory. The flip-flop had a Hawaiian floral design on it, and it was not even the correct size or style that Rebecca wore, and the family, as well as Bex's friends, believe it to not have even belonged to her. I've also read accounts where the flip-flop was said to have had another person's name on it, (laughs) though I find that a little hard to believe personally. It's important to note that no forensics have ever been done on the flip-flop to verify ownership. What the heck? And what do they mean to have a rogue wave that evening? Didn't she disappear in the morning? I guess technically it would be under the veil of darkness, so they're still calling it nighttime. So their boat is so small that a rogue wave would affect it? Well, it says rogue waves can affect even large vessels. One person. Okay, I've been on lots of cruises, which you have too. Right. I'm sorry, but if a rogue wave came, it would have to be a... I feel you like know. it might jostle the ship, but right, we're really... Right, you shit, and you can feel them, but... And yeah, there's some jostling when you're on the ship, but it would have to be, you know... Is it going to sweep somebody overboard? That stuff doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So, while in California, the family also met with Disney executives, as well as the woman with whom Rebecca was known to have been on the telephone with in the early morning hours before her disappearance. The narrative from Disney is that in the CCTV footage captured, Rebecca is notably drunk and furious and reportedly can be seen banging her head into the wall of the ship. However, this footage has never surfaced publicly, so the validity of these claims should be questioned. It's still unknown what exactly came from this meeting, but it has been released that according to the friend with whom Rebecca was speaking that night, Rebecca had initially been upset, but she quickly cooled down. And that at the end of the conversation, she stated that she was going to go to her cabin. To me, this is a far cry from the headbanging, drunken behavior that Disney claimed went down. Disney just doesn't want to go down. The name Disney. No, Disney will do anything to write to preserve its reputation. Agreed. Following the meeting, the family was also taken by Disney to Rebecca's cabin to collect her belongings. Of the items recovered were the following a slipper or a pair of slippers, several tickets to Disneyland Paris, which Rebecca had intended to give to her family, her passport, a pair of shorts, which were ripped, among other items. The Coriums returned to England and were promised a copy of the final investigative report, but alas, the findings were never furnished to the family. According to a representative from the British detectives who handled the case, a final report was given to them by the Royal Bahamian detectives, but said the report would not be permitted to be released to the Coriums due to the fact that it contained personal information. They have since filed multiple FOIA requests for the information, all of which have been subsequently denied. Okay, personal information? I'm like, it's their daughter. 
Should they not get their daughter's personal information? What about the pair of shorts that were ripped? There was nothing ever really mentioned of it. It was just something that was like made note of in one of the articles I read. Okay. So almost immediately following the disappearance, a series of strange occurrences began to take place starting in May 2011. So a little over a month later. And several weeks after, the Coriums returned to England from Los Angeles. An email intercepted by the family flagged suspicious activities on one of Rebecca's credit cards. Credit cards that were not among Rebecca's personal effects. This could only indicate that the cards were either stolen or that somehow Rebecca was still alive. In September, the password to her personal Facebook account was mysteriously changed despite no interference from her family on the account. Okay, something's going on. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A curious journalist, John Ronson, who writes for the British press newspaper, The Guardian, traveled months in October 2011 later to Los Angeles and set sail aboard the Wonder on the same route Rebecca took. His article, Rebecca Corium Lost at Sea, was published on November 11th of that same year. He took to investigating the disappearance himself, and what he uncovered is both baffling and, at the same time, very telling. Though many crew members outright refused to discuss the situation, others agreed but chose to remain anonymous. However, the biggest takeaway from the crew is that more information is undoubtedly known about what happened to Rebecca than either Disney or the Royal Bahamian Police Force will admit. One bartender is even quoted as saying, it didn't happen. You know that's the answer I have to give, right? Others insist that Disney knows exactly what happened. Everything is taped. There's CCTV everywhere. Disney has the tape. End of story. From his time on board, Ronson theorized that more than likely, Rebecca fell from a deck four jogging track. Here, the railings are notably lower than other places on board. Additionally, Rebecca was known to frequent the jogging track where she regularly ran to keep in shape during her time at sea. The jogging area is monitored by security cameras, however, so if Corium had fallen by way of the jogging track, surely some CCTV footage of the accident would have been recorded. But despite the staggering amount of information that points otherwise, the official narrative that is parroted on board the Wonder is that Rebecca fell from the crew pool deck on deck five. According to a deck worker, everyone knows. There was a flip-flop found which proves it. Disney also was known to have placed flowers along the high retention wall that surrounds the pool following the incident. This was said to have really stirred things up on board. But like all other points on board, the crew pool is highly decorated with security cameras. If Bex did in fact fall from this particular spot, Disney must have captured it on camera. I mean, they're just suppressing everything to make it look like it's her fault. She was drunk and raging and beating her head because they don't want to say that it was their ship, that it was Disney. That somebody on their ship caused her to fall off that ship. We have a good picture of her. She's not one of those crazy women and they're trying to say that she was drunk and beating her head against something now we know that they have cameras all over the ship i mean i believe disney truly knows exactly what happened they know and they've freaking hidden it following the completion of the cruise ronson was granted one final opportunity to speak with one of bex's friends from aboard the wonder a woman who he gave the pseudonym melissa According to Melissa, she last saw Rebecca around 11 p.m. the night of the disappearance. Their interaction was jovial. She recalls Bex trying to pull off her fake eyelashes, her being Melissa's fake eyelashes. She made mention that she was going to the bar that night and asked if Melissa had plans to go as well, but she did not. 
That was the last time they saw each other. She stated Rebecca had been on the phone to a mutual friend that she assumed the call to be about her current relationship, which was very intense and was known to have been upsetting Rebecca at the time. It is Melissa's belief that Rebecca went to deck five, the crew pool deck, to be alone. She loved deck five. She believed that Bex then climbed up on a wall, which surrounded the pool in a, I just need to feel like I'm off the ship for a second kind of way. She stated that Bex wouldn't have thought, it's high, I might fall. She would have just sat on it and thought, oh crap, what have I done? And fell. I could see that. On the day prior to the first anniversary of Rebecca's disappearance, the Coriums received a strange email dated March 21st, 2012. The email was authored by a woman who claimed to have witnessed Bex while vacationing in Venice, Italy, the previous August 2011. The woman claimed that she was 85% sure the person she witnessed was Rebecca, and that after visiting the family's website, the memory had been triggered. But if this had truly been Rebecca, how was she able to cross international borders without her passport? Which, as was stated above, had been in her items recovered by the quarriums from her cabin following the disappearance. Okay, I think that was somebody putting somebody else up to emailing and saying, oh, I saw her in Italy, which... Or it's just some woman who thinks she sees somebody that looks like Rebecca. Rebecca and Amy Bradley, I feel like, have a very similar look. If you guys remember what Amy Bradley looks like, I'll show you what Rebecca Corian looks like here in a minute, but they just have a very similar look. Six years later, Rebecca's former girlfriend and fellow crew member, Tracy Medley, finally broke her silence on the matter, giving life to yet another possibility of Rebecca's fate, suicide. In a complete juxtaposition of character from the sunshiny personality her parents portray, Medley insists that Corium took drugs and had been contemplating suicide leading up to her disappearance in an exclusive interview with The Sun. In fact, it is Tracy's belief that Rebecca intentionally jumped 100 feet off board to her death because she had fantasized about doing it before. Other revelations brought forth by Medley included Rebecca often felt like a misfit, that it was her belief that her family was ashamed that she was a lesbian. She has also shared that Rebecca was in turmoil after being raped as a teenager and that she often used cocaine. Okay, wait a minute. We're getting a little deep here. Are these things proven things? These are things that are... Her girlfriend stated, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we know that her girlfriend is not... Kind of the way Medley came forward, she was kind of like, I'm just sick of all this crap being spewed that she was so sunshiny. She had issues and you guys don't realize it. And I get that her parents want to portray their daughter as a good person and like a nice person and all the good things about her. But she had demons and I don't like this narrative that's being presented. Is kind of how she kind of mm. came forward with it. Okay. But the relationship between Coriam and Medley was not in the best place either at the time of the disappearance. The pair who had began dating when Medley's barman boyfriend was on break had recently had a turbulent patch after Medley's beau had returned to the ship. Medley described their relationship as wild, passionate, intense, and fun, but was not as committed as Rebecca would have liked to have been. In the days leading up to the disappearance, Tracy gave the following account. Rebecca was upset with me again. She started drinking, and while we tried to walk back to her room, she would scream, cry, punch herself in the face, and bang her head against the walls of the ship. It took four of us to calm her down, and we ended up walking her back to her room. That night, she woke me up and said something to the effect of feeling like a failure because she wasn't brave enough to jump off the ship. She thought not being able to kill herself showed how truly weak she was. Of the actual night of the disappearance, she states... Rebecca had drinks in the bar with us, herself and the barman beau. It ended up with a threesome in his room, which Rebecca actually initiated. 
I remember dozing off on Devin's bed. That's the barman's name. And Rebecca telling me we should just go. And she asked me to go with her. And I said, no, she wanted to throw something on. And I just told Devin to grab her something to wear. Which makes sense of the, like the clothing. Yeah. It a hundred percent makes sense that she was wearing somebody else's clothing. That was not her clothing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it was baggy. So it was like a man's. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically it for Rebecca Coriam. There have been no recent developments in her disappearance. And in 2015, the Coriam family settled a lawsuit out of court against Disney for an undisclosed amount of money. They had a website that they had created to generate tips and talk about Rebecca. And the family all of a sudden took it down. The website was Rebecca-Coriam.com. And that so was, were they forced to take it down because um, of the settlement? I assume that they, it probably had something to do with it. It was taken down like immediately after the settlement. That's sad. So I guess my question is, what theory is it? Did Rebecca Coriam get swept off board by a rogue wave? Did she fall? Did she commit suicide? So I'll open this up for commentary and we can volley around some theories and ideas pertaining to the case. Well, we all have our demons packed away, right? That's very true. We can all put on a pretty sunshiny face that if you don't know the person that well, then they're going to think that they're always super happy. We do a very good job of acting our parts. So like, I can't imagine having those demons and having to go be a youth worker for four months. No family. Yeah. And yeah, that was her girlfriend or whatever, but... The girlfriend wasn't that committed. The girlfriend was bisexual. Clearly, she had a boyfriend. And Rebecca was gay. To me, her initiating this threesome was like a desperate attempt to Hold on to her. Hold on to the girlfriend. Yes. And the girlfriend didn't even want to go back to the cabin with her at the end of it. She wanted to stay with the boy, so... Yeah. I mean, if she had been suicidal, I do think that that story gives clout to that theory. I think it's very sad, though, that no one in the cruise line looked into this more. Like, there was not more investigation. Because, like you said, when when you're out there on those waters, those are international waters. So, it's like, we have to be cognizant about what happens to people when they are on a cruise ship even if they they work there yeah so like I mean this case it's very different from Amy Bradley other than the fact that they both disappeared from a cruise ship but it's still very sad for the family what I don't understand though is like how have they not found her remains like if she committed suicide wouldn't she be floating around in the water somewhere no probably not honey no I mean think about all the sharks and you know when somebody does jump off a ship if they do jump mm-hmm. there's like a probability that they will get sucked under yeah you said that in the other one yeah we talked about that with amy bradley yeah, yeah. they but wouldn't something float maybe not i don't know i mean not by the time they realized it i guess that's true the thing is it's such a big ocean and deep full of critters and I can honestly say I've never been out that far on any boat. So I guess not having been on a cruise is not like serving all around you. And see no land. It's crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. If I, my personal opinion, I kind of think she killed herself. But And that would give Disney reason to cover up. Disney doesn't want people on board to know that somebody killed themselves. It goes completely against the Disney, you know. Mission statement. Disney schedule. Well, just another example of the big man can shut it down. Mm-hmm. And then why else would the parents <sighs> shut the website down so quickly? But I, mean, I hate that. It was probably in the lawsuit, you know, like... Like they were required to do like it you, in the lawsuit, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If it gets settled, then you have to take this down. I just feel like they have yeah. to have some more CCTV footage than what has been For sure. put out. Um, because I have seen... Like they probably know clip. exactly not, what happened to her. I mean, she's her. not banging her head on the wall or anything, but they have to know exactly what happened to her. Honey, those cruise ships have so many cameras. I mean, so many cameras. It's interesting because it kind of seems in a way like maybe people, they're trying to keep it from the family, maybe because there was some violent, not that they're trying to cover up foul play, but because maybe there was just some really unsettling stuff with her on the video that they were trying to preserve from the family. If you think about it, like even the detectives not giving the stuff to the family, you think they could have potentially been trying to preserve that? I don't know. I think it's cover up. It's, I totally it's think up, but... it's all a cover up. I mean, because we know there's cameras everywhere and especially on employees. Like it's almost like a separate city for crew. So like there's a separate bar for crew and they would have somebody working it, but it's Mm -hmm. like they could drink for like nothing. And I think in a way it makes sense that like no passengers were aware of anything or no passengers were interviewed or no passengers have ever come forward because all of this shit's taking place in the crew area. Yeah. And they do have it absolutely separate area. You'll never see a crew member sit down to bar drinking. No, never. No. Disney wants that shit zip. I just don't see how, like, the rogue wave theory, like, makes any sense. Okay, there are no No, no. rogue waves that would mess with a ship that big. I can tell you that right now. Because I think the Wonder is one of Disney's biggest cruise cruise ships, too. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So what's your theory? I mean, I'm kind of agreeing with her girlfriend, Tracy. I mean, not agreeing, but kind of more so going along with what she's saying. Like, why would she just make this stuff up? Honestly, this makes her look incredibly bad. And even if she is getting paid from a tabloid. Oh, she's getting paid. Well, I assume she's getting paid for her story from a tabloid. For the press, you're not supposed to pay for your information because it could be seen as biased. But tabloids pay you. It's a sun. It's a tabloid. I don't know that she got paid, but I just, it's an assumption. It has been 11 years since the disappearance of Rebecca Coriam, and her case is still cold. If you or anyone you know has any information regarding Rebecca's whereabouts, please contact International Cruise Victims at 818-355-6462. Whatever the truth, the Coriams deserve to know exactly what fate befell their eldest daughter. Check out our upcoming episode over on our main channel, The 1991 Disappearance of Bobby Eugene Adams. Do you have a case that you would be interested in having us cover on our podcast? Send us an email at coldcasecrew00 at gmail.com and let us know who you would like to hear about next. What's your theory?